Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates and ready to go. OutKick 360 is back. Friday edition is here. Tailgate edition is 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. NFL kicked off last night. The 103rd NFL season is underway with the Bills crushing the Rams in the second half and going on to win big. We have a big preview for all of Sunday slate plus Monday night football and college football in week two. Gentlemen, good afternoon. Well, in a huge upset, my night out at the Backstreet Boys concert was way more exciting than the NFL <laughs> game to well, kick off the season. We'll have to take your word for that. Yeah. Um, I'm not taking your word for I, that. I was, I was surprised that there was that level of domination in what we saw last night from the Buffalo Bills. They are very, we knew that they're going to be very, very good. That was a really good performance by the Bills. I'm always pulling for a close game, always expecting a close game. The NFL gets a close game a lot of times in featured games like that. But, I mean, the Bills are so good, they turned the ball over a bunch and, and, and kicked the butt of the defending Super Bowl champs. Nice harbinger for them. Poor one for the Rams. Uh, I flipped away and watched a close Yankees game for a while in, in the second half. I was not thinking at all about the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> um, but I, uh, I also was the one that picked them yesterday, and I, I had a nice uh, collect. And I think I got in on the FanDuel thing uh, that I thought was for beginners only with the seven-point lead. DraftKings. DraftKings, Draft Draft yeah. sorry, sorry. And um, up seven right out of the gate for the Bills. Uh, I think I was collecting on that right out of the gate. It seemed to me it gave me a chance to opt in, and I've been uh, oh, a member for a offer. while. Yeah, you was that for everybody? The, it's for everyone if you took the Bills up seven so, at any point. So I was golden right out of the gate. Well, the, It's terrific. What's surprising to me the day after, like, I, I feel like at, at a point the sports media in general should be conditioned to the fact that what happens in week one is not the season narrative. No, it's not. And there are way too many people today – Running, running with the idea, no, the opposite. The, running with the idea on the flip side that the Rams are going to be in trouble. And I just don't, I don't buy that. Well, they did. I, I mean, it's reasonable to say their protection was very poor last right. night against just four. And Havenstein said it. You know, we've got to go back, not panic. Right. But we've got things to look at and solve. And they do. But I, I don't I not know off the top of my head who they have next week. The, I expect. The Rams. I, I uh, expect them to play much better um, and to protect much better. But it says a lot about the Bills that they rushed for and were very effective, so no matter the, who they're playing. They have the Falcons coming up at home. So, so that's a good medicine back game. Back-to-back games, and then they have the Cardinals. But case in point would be what we witnessed in week one here in Nashville last year. Right. Where the Titans gave up five sacks to Chandler Jones. And slightly less than half of his season total. They, and they figured it out. Like it, The Rams are allowed to figure it out, and, and that's why, I don't know, I, I think the rea- it's, there's been an overreaction to L.A. losing uh, as much as there has been an overreaction to the Bills. 
And it's almost like everyone picked the Bills, so now you have to come up with another storyline, and the storyline would be L.A. losing yeah. the way they did. Well, I think that storyline now lingers Friday, Saturday, and Sunday we get a whole bunch of new ones, and it probably no doubt. fades. Those two teams so, are off, off the radar. Do well, you, it, also, well, I think that um, they're clearly missing Odell Beckham Jr., and Allen Robinson's going to do better than one catch for 12 yards. So if you're looking for a figure-it-out type format, they're going to figure it well, out with their receivers. But, Chad, it, here's it, – And both it, quarterbacks turn the ball over. Too. Yeah. But I'm glad you mentioned Allen Robinson because here's their one thing they have to go back and figure out. They, they miss Robert Woods for, for the Rams based on the snap count and the number of targets. They feed Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup played 67 snaps, all of them. Um, he ran 50 routes on 67 snaps, 15 targets. He's getting hits. Allen Robinson played 65 snaps, two less than Cooper Cup, two targets, two. Yes. They have to have him involved more, and I think they go back, watch this, and figure out Allen Robinson needs to be, if Cooper Cup's the number one, and that's, that's fine. Should be. They need to feed Allen Robinson more than two targets and one catch in a game because it was Cooper Cup or bust last night. He doesn't need to be 1A, but he needs to be clear and, too. Yeah, and, well, they, they're going to go back and look on film and see, hey, was he open a lot of those times? And you're just looking Cooper Cup's way uh, uh, immediately every time. But, or but even is if, there a deeper issue where he's not But even if separation? Cup's not open, I feel like there are down in distances where they know the ball's going to him. Yeah. yeah, Right? And, and you said – They feed him the same way they feed Diggs for Buffalo. I liked your approach on judging teams and how successful they might be in the playoffs in terms of can they win multiple ways. Bills won turning the ball over four times. That's yeah. winning multiple ways. I mean, you sustain that in the playoffs. If, if you can go into a playoff game – and win turning the ball over a bunch, you're going to be just fine. And, uh, and again, Josh Allen ran for a decent amount of yards. He's a big part of their rushing attack, and that was just just fine. They've been shoring up that pass rush and shoring up that pass rush over the last several years. They come at you in waves, and they did that very nicely last night. All of the things that you consider concerns for the Bills were not concerns at all for the Bills last night against a very good team on the road, far away from home, all of those things that I, I, I didn't think were going to be big factors last night and clearly weren't in the first game of the season. You don't care that you're four time zones away or three. Um, and, and, you know, they're sitting pretty right now, feeling great about themselves. Yeah, and, and before people say, oh, Hutton picked the Rams and the Bills in a Super Bowl rematch, and Entirely I'm, play, I'm playing into the Rams' uh, storyline, let's give huge credit to the Bills. The Bills picked up where they left off. They left Kansas City last year with their offense on the bench, and they picked up the Bills had the first seven drives, zero punts, the lowest percentage of drives ending in punts in the last two years for their offense. And from a conversion standpoint, they converted 90% of their third downs. Wow. They're just the just uh, the 2008 Saints against the Lions and the 2021 Chiefs against the Eagles, as well as the Patriots against the Jets back in the 70s. Those are the only offenses in the history of the game to convince – convert 30 or excuse me 90 percent of all third downs in a game extremely efficient and i thought the backbreaker was the deep ball on third down and what roughly short to uh stefan diggs from allen in the third quarter where he's falling down backwards in the end zone thrown it rolls on jalen ramsey ball game at that point. I, I did think if you're looking for an extended storyline out of that game, I don't understand why, and we talked about this last week or, or earlier this week, I, I, 
I'd be writing a little bit about Sean McDermott. Sean McDermott goes in, blows out the vaunted McVeigh. Yeah. Who at, at McVeigh, you can't get enough positive press about. And McDermott, you never hear a word about. McVay, I, I think that's and I think a marquee that's how McDermott win for McDermott. It. Also, I think he he loves. Sure, he's that. fine with that. But that's a marquee win for McDermott. Sean McVeigh. Yeah, for people hate the Hollywood swag and the the young coach who has has birthed all the, these different head coaches on his tree. He woke up this morning for the first time as a head coach under 500. Wow. First time ever. First time and ever. And he always wins on opening day. That That's means. incredible. But right. Yeah. So uh, given the fact that, I mean, you're right, McDermott doesn't get the credit, but I think part of it is the uh, the, the coaching lineage that comes from McVay and how they hit it big the year that he had uh, golf. They went to the Super Bowl and lost to the Patriots, but they went on that nice run, and he's lived up to every expectation since. Yeah, I mean, he's been terrific. But McDermott... In what they've built I think he's the and the way they keep layering coach. on top of what they've done, Bean and McDermott are probably the most uh, uh, underrated duo. And I don't like to talk about ratings. I think I know, you yeah. Know, but but I think here we it's don't fair. talk about it's, them. It's not they like, don't get a lot of hype, and it's not like Buffalo was this bastion of great coaching success before Sean McDermott got there. <laughs> I mean, Marv Levy right, was, was a very good coach, yeah, but, but outside I mean, of that, from Marv Levy to McDermott, it was a graveyard a lot of yeah. for years for for guys coming through that job. So. I mean, he's transformed that franchise into where the expectation, especially after week one, is Super Bowl or bust. It really team. is. I mean, that's that's what their fans believe. That's what everyone in the league is looking at right now saying, we knew they were the favorite going in by Vegas. Watching that, I know it's just one game, but clearly they're the team to beat. Their fans are going to have a fun weekend watching the rest of the division, kicking up their feet, breaking some tables, whatever but with the 1-0 in their pocket. And we're going to focus on the Bills' offense. The Bills' defense last night, to me, was the storyline. As good as Allen was and efficient as Diggs was in the passing game, uh, the Bills' defense got after Matthew Stafford. Von Miller, his presence was felt from the first drive offensively. Terrific. And that's been the big staple of their defense of the offseason. Can they boost their pass rush? to help out their secondary, which is already great with Tredavious White. But without him, what are they? And and last night they Just were fine. a superb defense and picked up where they left off in the regular season defensively. They're a bear. And now they open up the season at home next Monday night, a week from Monday against the Tennessee Titans, who open up the season here Sunday against the Giants. Yeah. Well, and, and Titans a big better get their work done against <laughs> the Giants. Yes. I, I will say that. Well, and Hunt, you brought up the 90%, over 90% third down uh, percentage. Uh, a big part of that last night in, in rewatching that game was Josh Allen's legs. Yeah. Picking up first downs. I mean, really showing off every facet of their offense when he can get out of pressure and pick it up with his legs. He's the model. Like, uh, the, the, I don't like the, the straight running quarterbacks, you know, who, who you think of as run first. You certainly don't think of Josh Allen as no. run first because he's got a huge arm that he can throw accurately with. But that's supplemental running by Josh Allen. I mean, if you're picking a quarterback model, and I'm a pocket passer guy, fellas, you know that, and he can he can pocket pass. But then to have that escapability and the ability to run and the more physical running style where I don't worry about him getting hurt on the outside the way I worry about some of the more slight guys. Um, if I'm drawing up a model of the quarterback that I want, looks a lot like him now. Yeah, I think Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, guys that fit the mold of, they are absolutely passing quarterbacks, but can run, right? Have athleticism to make a big play when needed with their with their feet. I may have been the only person in America that thought this last night, but 
at some point in the first half, and they go to halftime, I'm thinking, I guarantee you that Tarico and Collinsworth have a note on Matariza, and it was not needed. Nope. Because the Didn't offense punt. doesn't punt. Yeah. So you have considerably the best leg in football, the punt, quote-unquote, God, who had an off-season controversy that came to light right before the season started, and it wasn't even needed because we never saw the punter for the majority of this game. Well, what a way to combat any negative publicity. Just, you know, oh, our punter was an issue? <laughs> I know. Well, we won't punt. That's so their one issue. Figure it out. We're not going to have any talk about it because we refuse to punt. Yeah, Sam Martin was not needed in this game, Paul. That's a... It begins to have the feeling of a backup quarterback job. It's a sweet, it's a sweet gig. With less, you get paid to do nothing. You know, the 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 fans, if the quarterback, the backup is, you know, the backup's always the most popular guy on the roster because the quarterback's struggling. Yeah, no one's calling for the punter. If you're a punter, do you want to be on a team that never punts, (laughs) or do you want to go to a team where you're going to get a lot of work? Like, is, is the goal to get out there a lot if you're the punter? Or are you – if you're ranking the teams you want to go to in terms of productivity, are you saying, I'm more productive if I'm not on the field and punting, so I'm going to Buffalo? Or do you look at that job and think, man, I'm never going to get an opportunity? Well, if you want to make more money, you want to punt. Yeah. Hit us well, up on Twitter at Outkick360. you want a Super Bowl ring, you don't want to punt. It could also help the average if you don't punt much. <laughs> and you and you got well. a few big punts that's going to look good. Uh, Major League Baseball is changing the rules. Pitch clock – and no shifts next year. I've got strong feelings on this. I, 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 I like the pitch clock. Look, I hope – I was talking to uh, Willie Donick from, uh, from our sister station in Nashville, 1025 The Game, um, and he, he's, he's called a couple sounds games this year, the minor league team in, in Nashville. And he had a, a, has seen an umpire coming back from injury. And when an umpire comes back from injury, they turn off the pitch clock. Um, because they let him get back in his thing. And he said it was still fast because it had been ingrained. Yeah. So that's my hope here. Use this for a couple years, get it ingrained, then maybe you don't even need it. Then maybe you reset baseball and it's back to normal. But I think there's no getting around that it's necessary. I don't like that it's artificial, but it's absolutely necessary. And I feel the same way about the shift. Chad, I know where you stand on, the, on, on people hit it where they ain't. And I believe in Wee Willie Keeler's statement. And I can't stand that people don't bunt more and haven't learned more to hit it against the shift. But the fact of the matter is they have not. And it has killed the game to a degree that a solid line drive up the middle is no longer a base hit. There's somebody standing there who catches it. And I, under, I, I commiserate with batters who've not been able to adjust to that, and I think it's going to be good for baseball. So two guys have to be on each side of second base, and this part's bigger to me. They have to have their feet on the dirt. I would have been okay with no prescription about which side of second base, but yeah. that an infielder has to be in the infield so that that second baseman standing where a base hit would land in right field cannot be in the outfield. Infielders have to play infield. Outfielders have to play outfield. I wish these weren't necessary, but I think to reset the game they are, and even if we begrudge them, I bet you we watch the first series of baseball next year and we feel like it's a much better game. It is um – I agree with almost everything you said there, Paul. It's very little league-ish that they have the rule that, that have you have to, to be it. in the dirt on, on each side of the field. Um, I, I like that they're going away from the shift. I, I hate the shift. So I'm, I'm glad that this is now a rule. But having two infielders on either side of second base is sufficient for me. If you wanted to play a step into the grass on someone, I, I'm, I would be okay with them doing that. It just seems weird. 
I, I coach seven, eight-year-old softball, and there's a rule about outfielders have to be in the grass, and there are girls who want to go up and play in the dirt in front of them, and I have to keep them. <laughs> hey, Tic-tac-toe. you know, you got to be back in the grass. Get, get your get your cleats in the grass the whole time. Uh, I hate that there is a necessity for a pitch clock in baseball. That's what I hate more than anything else. Yes. I don't want it. I don't, I don't want it to be a long-term thing. I just hate that we've reached a point where it's needed. And baseball failed to manage this for so long that it made these things necessary. It's a failure with the management of baseball. So it's 15 seconds when bases are empty, 20 seconds when, when rudders are on base, and the hitter receives one timeout per plate appearance with this. I like that, too. I didn't, I didn't catch that part. And the average nine-inning game, based on this rule, they claim will reduce the game by 26 minutes. That's a I mean, big that, difference. If you're going to get down to 235, uh, now the average game's probably over three hours, but if you're getting into 235, 240, 245, listen, that, that's terrific. I think we all like things that are three hours or less. They're also making the, the, the bases larger. So uh, first, second, and third base increases from 15 square inches to 18 square inches. Bigger base is expected to have positive impact on player safety. And then the shift restrictions for those wondering. So I don't think they're going to the extreme of what they tried in minor league baseball. Minor league baseball, there was there was a, a league that had a, more or less a, a 90 degree. Drew a triangle chalk out line of second base. From second base out, um, where the you infielders couldn't. had to stay within that white line outside prior to of the that pitch. White line. Yeah, yeah, excuse me, outside the white. They could go inside once the pitch was out of the hand of the pitcher. Well, no, the ball that's the not the thing. So you can yeah. play your second baseman and your shortstop side by side. As long as they're on either base, side of the base. As long as they're on either side of the base. And that, there's not going to be a line there or anything. I think it's going to be common sense by the umpires to judge that. All but now, if you move one guy over, both feet within the infield when the pitcher is on the rubber. So you can still yeah. pull so things could, way over. You can, you can bring the third baseman to shortstop. You can bring the shortstop to right at second base. You can bring the second baseman right. over and the first baseman over. You can you can play well, a pull or a, for a righty or a lefty. You just can't do it as extreme, and you can't funnel them into the outfield. So. My, my thing is on this, if it increases runs and it increases the, the, uh, the, pace. The, the pace of the game, I'm all for I it. I think it'll do both. As much as I want hitters to be able to hit to all directions of the field, and I want, I want pitchers who grew up hitting the baseball to stand in the batter's box and hit the baseball, this is going to be more enjoyable for me as a fan based on this rule change. It's going to be more enjoyable, and we're going to know again what a hit looks like. Yeah. Like Paul said, I up mean, a, a shot up yeah. the middle – in any level of baseball, that looks like a hit off the bat. And then when there's someone standing there, it throws off your equilibrium watching the game. Well, we get our equilibrium back now with this new rule. How does it change analytics? That's the next tier to this. Because there will be analytics based on the fact that you can't play the shift that now factor in. And well, that's the next I think you're still pitching to, pitching to spots that align with your defense. You just can't be as extreme with the defense. Maybe you could be more extreme with the pitch location. Hit us up with your thoughts at OutKick360. Coming up, we go from the NFL and Major League Baseball to college football. Week two, some big matchups in the Power Fives. Chad Withrow brings his top ten games of the week. We'll count them down and preview those for you. That's next on OutKick360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie. 
your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. We have people coming up to us outside in the beer garden asking Paul uh, who we are and what we're doing out here. Ma'am, would you like to join the show? We're out here every Friday. Outkick 360 with 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Paul, what'd you tell her? Uh, She asked me what we are. I told her, and I pointed to where we usually broadcast from. (laughs) What is this? Excuse me. What are you? What is this? You know, the the only acceptable place in society to approach someone uh, and just ask them straight up, who are you? What do you do? What's going on is if there's a camera rolling. This I feel business. like that's the one time if there's like lights on so, and a camera, it's the one acceptable place to walk up and say, excuse me, what are you? At least we were kind of in break. Yeah, well, kind of. Coming the, back. the timing was very unfortunate, yeah. but you, you did what you could. I So uh, an example of that, Chad. Oh, cool. We're on the big screen out here, too. Yeah. If you're at Six and Peabody. An, an example of that, Chad, would be last year for Outkick the Tailgate with going deep with Clay Travis on Fox Nation where on Friday nights we had a whole lighting crew, sound crew, oh, yeah. camera crew, and you would walk into these tailgate bars in these college towns, and it, it doesn't matter who you are or who you're with, the fact that you have a camera crew with you, automatically it's a magnet. Also ask for free stuff. People ask for free stuff no, a lot. She wasn't yeah. looking for free stuff. Well, I, I always I knew what it was like to be a real housewife of the O.C., <laughs> When you walk around the camera crew, because uh, you always see on those shows people in the back of the bar, the um, restaurant are looking more like Potomac. You know, in the background, not, look, yeah, looking I was over. Say, more not, like yeah, let, let me let me slow my roll here a little bit. Real Housewives of Atlanta was more <laughs> we were. It was more of a southern feel to our show. But yeah, when you have the huge camera crew with you at all times, it's going to draw some attention. Did you guys see the uh, the mistake on the headline at McLean's new website, GallerySports.com? Yeah, I did. Oh, it was so so funny to me. I so, don't presume they have a uh, uh, layers of editors there. Probably well, not. They corrected it not very fast. Uh, and, and and to be fair to John, he's the one who called me last night and told me. He goes, "Hey, go to the third story at our gallerysports.com and tell me what you see." And it was Paul Wall and Clay Travis to perform at Texans annual Liberty Wideout game Sunday against the Colts. They meant to write Clay Walker. Country singer, Clay who has, Walker. Who um, routinely has been able to sing the national anthem for the Titans games, even when they're playing the Texans. 
despite being a massive Houston Texans fan. And he does this routinely. Clay Walker is, is cool, and he, he does this all the time for the Texans. But I, I don't know why they thought of Clay Travis instead of Clay Walker, but the fact that he and Paul Wall are performing together and what made this believable, Big Noon Kickoff Clay's is in Austin tomorrow. Yeah, he's Clay's in, Texas. in Austin, Texas tomorrow for the Big Noon Kickoff on Fox between Texas and Alabama, which we're about to hear about on, on Chad's Top Ten. Hopefully not too hot. And it, and it ties into – so people actually believe that he was performing with Paul Wall. Well, it, the the double take of, oh, that's a mistake to, oh, or Clay's in Texas. Does he sing? Right. Did I miss something about Clay performing right. on, on stage? Uh, yeah, that that would be something terrible. I'm sure he thinks he, he could that. sing there. Uh, not sing. I think even Clay would probably acknowledge he can't sing. I haven't heard him acknowledge he can't do much. Uh, I, I bet he would acknowledge he can't sing. Um, he would maybe go try to do a stand-up routine <laughs> to the crowd, but I don't know that he would try to sing. Hit us M- up. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, with your thoughts at Outkick360, where you can hit us up on Twitter. Back to the uh, weekend preview, and it is time for Chad Withrow's top ten games of the college football weekend. Need more reasons to watch college football? It's time to bang some hats. Here's Chad Withrow's must-see games this weekend. We count these down 10 to 1, and there will be some weekends where there is a honorable mention for 11 or 12, maybe 13. There are some weeks where it is a struggle, and that may have been the case this week with a couple of opponents. However, some week one results... I think made this easier than what we would have thought back in June or July based on the schedule for week two. Hun, can you see my wrist right now? About time to bang some hats by my watch. That's what, that's your, what your time heart, it is right now. Your heart now. count is very high Here right now. Here we go. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. I'm either having a cardiac episode or I'm excited about college football, <laughs> maybe both. Hey, get the medical we'll people find out over together. here. I am a little sweating, so that is one sign of a heart attack, so who knows? It's very normal. Um, game number 10, boys. <laughs> I had no problem finding 10 games. I've really had about 13. I could have gone with. Okay. I was even. I was polling you guys on number ten. Under the, I asked you for three different games. Do you your agree, preference though, on, for number on ten. On paper, in the off season, these don't look good. But based on week one results, like I, there are a couple where I think. Well, there's. I'll put it this way. I'm more intrigued now. There's two that jump into the mix that would not have looked good preseason. Yes. I think the rest look okay. Okay. Starting with game number ten. Number ten. Arizona State, at. Oklahoma State. Now, everyone believes Arizona State's a mess because their program's under NCAA investigation. Right. They've had to fire support personnel. New They've broken a lot of rules under, under Herm Edwards. But they're talented. I mean, they are going to compete in the Pac-12 this year as a sleeper team. Emory Jones comes in from Florida at quarterback. Um, they've got uh, some other good transfer pieces that came in as well. Oklahoma State at home is a 12-and-a-half-point favorite. Paul loves Spencer Sanders, the Oklahoma State quarterback. There's a lot to like. He threw for over 400 yards in their first game, rushed for uh, more yards in that game also. Um, But I really think this could be a sneaky good game, Arizona State at Oklahoma State. I'm very curious to see Sanders run against a team with a better front. I told you about last week. I don't remember the crap team they played, but he did some fantastic running. But he was through the line of scrimmage effortlessly. I would suspect it would be harder for him to get through the line of scrimmage here. But once he gets through the line of scrimmage, when he's going against linebackers and and people in the secondary, uh, he was a delight. Uh, And so uh, I don't know how much of the game I'll see, but I'm looking for highlights of this guy on the move. 
Game number nine, Mississippi State at Arizona. This is one that I would not have circled in the preseason exactly. as a good game. But Arizona on CBS, by the way, ratings were abysmal for CBS at 2.30, Arizona at San Diego State. That's I swear it's it. like they lost a bet yeah. to have to carry that game. I don't understand how that was not a CBS Sports Network game and not big CBS with, uh, with Nestler and, and Danielson. Yeah, I don't. It was weird. Either be way, a better alternative. Arizona looked good. They're, they're serving some master there. I don't know what it is. Yeah, Jed Fish in Arizona, they're headed in the right direction. A number of transfers. Arizona, Arizona State, the story for them both, transfers. Jaden Delora, transfer quarterback from Washington State, had a big day against, uh, against um, San Diego State. Also, they've got a transfer at receiver, Jacob Cowing from UTEP, who had over 150 yards in their win over San Diego State. Mississippi State, guys, as impressive a performance in week one, and there was nothing special about it. They just dominated Memphis in that game, offensively, defensively, uh, moved the ball right down the field, no problems at all, won easily. They're a 10.5-point favorite on the road at Arizona in what should be a unique atmosphere because a lot of Mississippi State fans are making the trip. I give the points there. I cannot wait to stay up and watch this game uh, for Will Rogers. You guys know I feel like Will Rogers is the Matt Corral of this year's SEC slate. Yep. 450 yards last week. He completed 78% of his passes. I don't care who they're playing. Like that, that, That's how you open a season. 400 yards has become a bit of a common occurrence for him, passing the football. Six times in his career now, he's gone over 300. 12 times in his last 14 starts has been over 300. And uh, four times over 400. But... This is the first game that Mike Leach has coached against the Pac-12 since he left the Pac-12. So we have Pac-12 after dark starting at 10 o'clock Central, right? Yes, 11 o'clock Eastern. And the Wildcats quarterback, Mike Leach, had committed to Washington State literally right before he left. Delora was going to be his future quarterback. So we will see a QB that he really liked playing against him in this game. And I, I think they're a live dog in this, to be honest. So just, just based on the they've they've already pre-sold forty-one thousand tickets for game number two for Arizona. Um, I, I would I would look towards Pac-12 actually performing up to the competition in this game. I think Mississippi State wins. I think it's much closer than what the spread is. Yeah. If you're an early riser, if you're getting up for church on Sunday morning on the East Coast, this game will have only been over for about three hours. By the time you wake up. This game's not ending until 2.30 so, to 3 a.m. on the East Coast. So hear me out on this. The only way we can judge certain guys is based on the competition they play. So we should judge them based on that. If they – Delora in his first game here, uh, he was the offensive pl- uh, freshman of the year last year at Washington State, and he transfers to Arizona. He passed for four touchdowns or three? Four against San Diego State a week ago. That's what you should do in your opening weekend regardless of opponent. So I'm looking at that thinking, okay, they're about on par with what we thought, even though they're predicted bottom third of their conference. So is Mississippi State, by the way. I think this is better than advertised based on the fact that they're hosting the game late. Yeah, I I like it. Again, it would not have been in my top ten if I was trying to predict before the season a top ten for week two. Game number eight. Missouri at Kansas State. Luther Burden, the freshman receiver, is as good as advertised. Receiving touchdown, a rushing touchdown in week one for the five-star, who's making a ton of money in NIL at Missouri. Um, Adrian Martinez, the Nebraska transfer, guy. was not uh, 
there was nothing stellar about his performance in week one, but he was very efficient in the short passing game. They beat uh, a nobody 34 to nothing. Kansas State did. Kansas State now hosting Mizzou. Kansas State a seven and a half point favorite. This sort of like a game we're going to get to later in, in Tennessee Pitt is a very much a barometer game for Missouri early in the season in the non-conference. And I feel the opposite to, about to it. To see how much improved they are with Brady Cook, with Luther Burden on offense, this is a big test for them. It's a big test for the Missouri linebackers because of who's at quarterback with the wills that Martinez has yep. and Deuce Vaughn at running back. And I think those two paired together, uh, they get the best of Missouri defense here. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to watching this game, though, either way. And I, I'm with you. I, I am not – until Missouri's defense shows something, anything, This I'm not a believer in that defense. This, by the way, uh, will increase the heat on Scott Frost because I think Martinez plays well in this game against yeah, the any, SEC opponent. Anything that Adrian Martinez does well is a poor reflection on Scott Frost. <laughs> number that, seven. That's for sure. Game number seven, USC at Stanford. USC, 10th in the country, scored 66 points in week number one. Yes, it was Rice. But they had four takeaways on defense in that game. So the USC defense coming to play early this season. Caleb Williams starting in about the second quarter looked like Caleb Williams. Jordan Addison, the pit transfer, looked terrific starting in the second quarter. Uh, at Stanford, a tricky game for USC, only an eight-point favorite in this one. Stanford under David Shaw not trending in the right direction. They're looking to turn that around this year. Tanner McKee, really good quarterback. E.J. Smith, that name is familiar, son of Emmett Smith, scored on an 87-yard touchdown on his first college carry uh, last week against Colgate for Stanford. So good young running back for the Cardinals. And if USC is going to be the team a lot of optimistic people expect them to be with Lincoln Riley coming in there, you would think that, that uh, based on what Stanford's been doing lately, this, this would be a big showing for the Trojans. This is a barometer to see where USC is in comparison to Utah, to me. Yeah. We saw Utah against Florida. They lost that game, but phys uh, the physicality, they matched Match. up with the SEC opponent. USC, three pick sixes last week. Like, this is the barometer to see where they are based on the four wins they had a year ago. I agree. Game number six. This is a game that feels like there should be a state fair going on around it. <laughs> I don't know if there is or not, but it seems like that that it's really a missed opportunity if not. Which kind of state fair? The, the kind with the, mostly about well, food say, or the kind mostly about cattle? You judge when I say the game. Iowa State at Iowa. That sounds like a guy who's never been to a state fair. Yeah, it's, it's about both, Paul. It's, they're all about both. They have both at the, at the fair. Iowa State at Iowa would definitely be about food and definitely be about cattle. Um, Iowa's cattle's not moving too fast offensively. <laughs> They scored seven points on two safeties in a field goal against South Dakota State, the Jackrabbits, in week number one. But keep in mind, Iowa has a funny way of getting the job done against their rival, especially in Iowa City where this game will be played. Last year in Ames, Matt Campbell and Iowa State, they were the talk of the preseason going into the Big 12. And Iowa won 27-17 with 173 yards of offense in the game. A that's, bunch that's of turnovers for Iowa State, and Iowa found a way to win. Vegas believes Iowa finds a way to win, even with that putrid offensive attack. They're a three-and-a-half-point favorite over Iowa State at home. And I think a lot of people are going to bet Iowa State based on Iowa's Because Iowa's a punchline this week right. with their offense. I think the, the, there's good money on Iowa this week based on the rivalry matchup. Game number five, South Carolina 
at Arkansas. I love this game. This is an 11 a.m. game where a lot of the shine is going to go to a game coming up here soon that's going to be on Fox tomorrow at 11 a.m. But South Carolina and Arkansas, I think, has the makings of a four-quarter game possibly. Arkansas is an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. Spencer Rattler was just okay against Georgia State. They really took off because of two block kicks for touchdowns in that game against Georgia State. By the way, Georgia State hosting North Carolina. Speaking of a school that lost a bet, why is North Carolina going to App State and Georgia I State I saw that in the first two weeks? Are, is their stadium being remodeled? Can they not play at home? Anyway, I digress. South Carolina, Arkansas, I think it's going to be a good game. Spencer Rattler and K.J. Jefferson, the quarterback matchup, is, is going to be key. I need to see more from Spencer Rattler. This is really the first big test to see how much he's improved from his downfall at Oklahoma. This is a, a great matchup between Marcus Satterfield and Barry Odom as well. Offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. And then on the flip side, Arkansas's offense last week against Cincinnati, 50% on third down. Jefferson was 8 of 10 for 84 yards on third down. And they carried the ball six times for 64 yards on third down against Cincinnati. South Carolina's going to stop them on third down, even on the short yardage, where Arkansas was the more physical opponent. And I'm going heavy Razorbacks here just based on the physicality that I know they're going to bring and what South Carolina hopes to bring that they didn't a week ago. Yeah, South Carolina did not stop the run that well against Georgia State. They gashed them a number of times. But also, even more concerning, they didn't get any push against Georgia State's front. It's going to be a different beast against Arkansas, so I'm with you on that. Game number four. We can go quickly past this, but it's Alabama and Texas because of the brand identity of both of those programs and Alabama and a rare road trip, which will be an SEC league game here in a few years, but Alabama at Texas. Texas with B. John Robinson, Quinn Ewers, a different Texas team than a year ago, but Alabama is still Alabama and they're a 20-point favorite. I, I want to crush Sark for saying uh, what he said to kind of soften the blow. But I also crush the guys who puff up their chests heading into an Alabama game and pretend like, like they're, they're going to they're gonna beat them. So you can't win with me on this. This is the first regular season meeting between these programs since 1922. Wow. That's crazy. How many times have they played in a, in a bowl since then? It's like 11 Probably. times that they played total, I think. Yeah, not a lot. That's They're not meeting in bowls that often either. I'm trying to think of the last time they would have met in a bowl game either. Well, that number's well, going to go up. Well, they met a national championship game. That number's about to go up right. with them being in the same well, conference. So since that national championship Colt game. Colt McCoy lost to Greg McElroy, I believe, in a national championship game, Texas versus Alabama. But, but McCoy was injured in that game. Yes. And they lost 37-21. Since then, Texas, that was in the Rose Bowl. Texas has had three head coaches since that game in the national championship where McCoy got hurt in 2009. Love it. They're going crazy. Yeah, they're, they're going crazy. This, they know you're getting hey, up to two they and love, three. They Real quick love Alabama and Texas. I know you wanted to breeze through this. This game, to me, feels like A&M felt a year ago. On the road, where the joke's going to be on the Longhorns. No one's counting. They're a 20-plus point favorite on the road here. 100,000-plus in attendance. It feels like A&M. I'm not saying the same result. It will take the same type of game. A, a, a punt return for a touchdown. Big third down conversion. A couple of turnovers from Alabama. That's the recipe for Texas to spring the upset. Uh, game number three. Uh, are we going to try to get all this into yeah. this segment? Okay, we're going to go quick then. Rapid fire. Baylor at BYU. Number nine at number 21. One of three top 25 versus top 25 matchups this week. A year ago was Baylor on top at home in Waco, 38-24. to Jaron Hall of BYU 
is an electric QB and a guy to watch in this game in Provo. BYU a slight favorite in this game, even as a 21st-ranked team, a three-point favorite in this game. Game number two, we've talked about it a lot, Tennessee at Pittsburgh. Tennessee currently a six-point favorite. It was up to as much as seven at one point this week. Number 24 at number 17. Pat Narduzzi loves to play the role of the underdog, even when he's not really that big of an underdog. He's not that big of an underdog at home in this game. But Tennessee's going up there, at least the way they're talking, with something to prove. After a year ago, they weren't their best in week two of the season, and they really found ways to lose a game that was right there for the taking against Kenny Pickett and Jordan Addison and a great Pittsburgh team that won the ACC. Game number one, boys, the one I think a lot of America will be watching, 7 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Central, Saturday night, Kentucky at Florida. Florida, a a 6.5-point favorite. Such a big early season tilt in the SEC East for whoever's going to finish second behind Georgia. Let's face it, Georgia is the cream of the crop, maybe in the entire nation, not just that division. But Kentucky at Florida should be an all-out war on Saturday night. Watch the penalties. Florida lost this game a a year ago, 15 penalties in that game. Uh, Meanwhile, no Rodriguez for Kentucky. And they're down. they could be down their backup running back in this. So they may have Cavassier Smoke, who has a total of like 20 or 30 carries in his career, as the lead running back in Gainesville. I said it yesterday. Kentucky needs to back up the talk here yeah. and put up. Well, it, and it starts in the passing game with Will Levis. And the if defense. you're first-round caliber, show up and play the same way we saw last week from Richardson. I agree. But the, I'd also be fine if they won with an outstanding defensive game. And that's how they won And it. Levis playing conservative well, smart. He can't, this, he can't go lose it, obviously. I'd prefer that he go win it, but they, they got to find a way to win it. This Florida defense can be had. I don't have faith in it. Yeah. So this like is a game Florida's where he can have it. a lot of success. This is not a great Florida defense. But I'm reading too much in probably to what I saw out of Florida against Utah, which came down to one play. Yeah. One week ago, Florida was as physical as Utah, who is among the most physical teams in the country. It's don't a hell of a don't get it wrong. Kentucky prides itself on that, on both lines of scrimmage. That's what the game comes down to. Can Kentucky run the football? Florida did. Can Kentucky do that without Rodriguez? If they can, Levis is going to be okay. If they can't, how much do we hear about Rodriguez not being there? Too much. Right. Hit us up with your thoughts on Twitter. By the way, that is our DraftKings pick of the week. I would take Florida minus the points in this, Jack. I would take we know how many? I'd take Florida. I think Florida wins by a touchdown. So, yeah, they beat I, would, I would take the in this six game and a half. year ago, and last week they didn't do that. Yeah, I think Florida gets it done at home. What do you think, Paul? I'm slow to get to the points. I don't know how many points, but I feel like Florida's going to win it. Well, Florida's six money and a half. Line. Coming up, uh, we switch gears on DraftKings to our upset picks of the NFL. I'm bringing three this week, guys. Three outright winners based on the money line for the underdogs this weekend in the NFL for week one. It is time to cash in. I'm going to tell you which three I'm betting. That's next on OutKick 360. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. Glad you're with us for our week one NFL preview. DraftKings. DraftKings.com and the DraftKings app. You bet $5, you get $200 instantly for all new DraftKings users. You've got to be 21 years or older, and this is for first-time DraftKings Sportsbook customers only. Make a deposit of at least 5 bucks in your Sportsbook account, then place a wager of $5 on an NFL or college football game between now and week two of the NFL season, which is September 19th. And by doing that, you're going to receive $200 instantly to any addition on cash winnings. If you're like Chad or Paul, where you win on that $5 bet or whatever it might be on your deposit to your original wager once it settles. Again, do that for new users. I've I've got some winners for you, outright winners, plus money. The winners this week, underdogs on the DraftKings money line. I'm taking the Vikings over the Packers. Packers are favored by one and a half on the road in Minnesota. Green Bay loaded up on defense. Minnesota has a loaded offense, and the Packers start slow, at least over the recent years. Big game for Minnesota. Zedarius uh, Smith, I, I think he goes off in this game against Minnesota, uh, uh, for, for Minnesota against Green Bay, his former team from a year ago. And I, I think the Vikings win the week one matchup. Green Bay has 11 players on their injury report. Minnesota has one. Jacksonville over the Commanders. Jacksonville has lost 17 straight road games. This ends in week one of 2022. I love Peterson with Trevor Lawrence. I also love the fact that Doug Peterson knows Carson Wentz very well. Give me Jacksonville on the road against Washington. And the Cowboys over the Buccaneers on Sunday Night Football. Tampa is favored by two and a half points at Dallas. This was a tremendous game a year ago. And now it is... It is uh, the C.D. Lamb year. We saw last night, Buffalo feeds Diggs. And L.A., they give the football to Cooper Cup. And now it's the C.D. Lamb show in Dallas. I think they feature that often. And I also think we see Schultz. Uh, I think we see a a, a tight end heavy game for Dallas that ultimately wins this game. And what's going to be two of the best offenses and two of the best defenses from last year in the regular season. A tremendous game. I'm taking the home team just like we saw last year. I like two out of three. I'm using one of my rules for the other. The Jags, Commanders, I look at that spread and I don't like the spread. Commanders giving two and a half doesn't make sense to me and oftentimes when it doesn't make sense it means it goes that way. Chad, you ready to make some money? Yeah, I, on all of them except the Cowboys being the Bucks. I agree with you. Give me all three in a parlay, baby. Money line. More money to come later. Rolls on.